0: Uh, Okay, good morning and welcome to Cornerstone. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman and I'm so excited that you are here. We are in a series called Permission to be Real, where we are walking through the Psalms, some of the different Psalms, not all 150 of them probably, Uh, but uh, what I really enjoy and appreciate about the Psalms is that I think it's God's permission slip for us to be real because in the Psalms we see people expressing how they really feel as they go through life uh, trying to make sense of life, trying to live faithfully, but also encountering life as it truly is and one of the things i 've always appreciated about Jesus is that he uh, always made it very clear, was very upfront, very straightforward with us, uh, for example, when he said, In this world, you will have trouble well that's that 's the psalms <laughs> in this world, you will have trouble, but the psalms are also the second part of that of that phrase, which is and I, but I have overcome the world. So we get permission to be real, but we also get encouragement as well. So it's permission to be real, not only with God, but also with one another as well. To, it's a reminder to us that when we come into a setting like this, that we don't have to pretend. That we don't have to pretend that we have it all together because none of us do. We don't have to pretend that we've got it all figured out because no one of us has it all figured out. But we are on this journey together and we can be real, we can extend grace, we can be authentic among one another. So I've introduced this series by talking about, kind of flashing back, to the Paradigm Series we did just before this. Uh, And in particular, this aspect of our paradigm for understanding, reading and understanding the Bible. And it was the second one, which is what the Bible teaches is true is true. And people can get tripped up in the Psalms because sometimes things are expressed that you look at it and you're like, I'm not sure... God wants us to say stuff like that or I'm not sure that it's okay to express that. And so what we have been uh emphasizing is that you have to look at it in context in the whole context of the scriptures and even the whole context of the psalms and remember that you have to look at what the Bible teaches as a whole is true is true. And in particular the way that we've applied this to the Psalms is that the Psalms are true to feeling. Uh, It might not be the right thing to feel, so to speak, or it might not be the final perspective or conclusion that the Psalmist comes to, but in the moment they are being authentic and real and expressing how they truly feel. So just as a little catching you up in the first one, of the series called Prayer and Praise, we said that every circumstance is an invitation to recognize God's presence. When good things are happening, it's an opportunity to return that to praise. When bad things are happening or things are not as they should be or as good as they could be, that's a prompt to prayer. And so rather than having those circumstances give us a false sense of security or drive us away from the Lord, we should use them as a prompt to draw close to Him in various ways. Last week in Endgame, we looked at Psalm 73, and what we said was that we get in God's presence to gain God's perspective. Psalm 73 is one of my favorites because uh, it is very raw and real. And uh, the the psalmist is expressing how life doesn't seem to make sense and life does not seem to be fair, but it's only after he gets into God's presence that all the pieces begin to fall together. And today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 103 in our message called Remember. And here is the question that this psalm answers, if I've blown it what hope do I have? If I've blown it, what hope do I have? Now, in church, generally, we talk a lot about forgiveness. And you might think, well, this is almost a dumb question to ask because of course there's hope. I mean, that's the whole point of Jesus. That's the whole point of the gospel is that you can blow it. You can mess things up incredibly and still come to the point where you are forgiven and God accepts you into his family. Um, But, Remember, we're talking about true to feeling, and I bet that there are people who are listening or watching that know in their heads the gospel, maybe even grew up in it, maybe have believed it since they were this high, but when we blow it, we don't necessarily feel it, do we? There are times when you do something that you knew you shouldn't have done, and you wonder, where do I stand with God? Or maybe you've heard the gospel and you grew up in the church and you had that experience, but there were times in your life where you drifted away and you did things that you're not proud of, that you don't like to talk about. And They haunt you. And sometimes you think, well, I'd really like to serve the Lord in this way. I'd like to do these things, but I'm not sure that somebody with my past and my background, my story, is invited to do that. So we all feel that at times. Sometimes it's something that keeps us from coming to the Lord in the first place because we say, oh yeah, forgiveness and all that, but I'm not sure that 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 applies to me. Or... We say, oh, yeah, I know I'm forgiven, but have I been disqualified? If I've blown it, what hope do I have for the future? And that's what this psalm is dealing with and what this psalmist is expressing. And he, it's an exuberant psalm. It's a celebratory psalm because of the answer to this question. Here's the key verse, I think, that sums it up. In verse 10, he says, he does not, talking about the Lord, does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. See, that's what we're focused on, our sins and what we would deserve as a result. And what this Psalm shows us is that he does not punish us according to our sins, what we deserve. And he does not deal harshly with us as we have earned. We're actually talking about the quality of mercy. So someone asks you, what did you talk about at church today? We talked about mercy. And the bottom line of this psalm and this message is because of who God is, we get treated better than we deserve. Because of who God is, we get treated better than what we deserve. And so what this psalm is encouraging us to do, and this is going to be the practical application, the challenge of today's message, is to build routines into our life around accepting and celebrating God's goodness. So we'll come back to that at the end. Let's look at Psalm 103 together. I'm going to read from the Bibles that you have on your uh, tables. If you want to follow along, it's Psalm 103, which is, uh, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I was taught early on, that if you want to find the Psalms, the easiest way to do that is just take your Bible and let it fold in half, and you're usually in the Psalms. Psalm 103 is about two-thirds of the way through the Psalms. It's uh, The superscript says a Psalm of David. Verse 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are and remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands, commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne and From there, he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would give insight and understanding to us. I pray that you would meet the needs of the people that are watching and listening, that are here today. Every one of us has a particular need in our life, a question that we need answered, a, a tension that we don't know how to resolve. Some of us are seeking direction and insight for you. Some of us need healing, some of us need forgiveness. Some of us need redirection and correction. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray that you would meet it today and that each person watching, listening here today would be able to say honestly, truthfully, undeniably that they have heard from you and encountered you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... As we get started, just a reminder that here we meet on Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Also, 9, 10, 11 on Sunday mornings, we are broadcasting online. Now, that's a week delay. You're watching uh, today the message that was given last week if you're watching online. And it's also available on demand. But everything that we do at Cornerstone is designed to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly because we are absolutely convinced that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. Isn't that what Jesus said when he said that I have come to give you life abundant, life to the fill. And it also, in the process, brings glory to God. So if you are watching online or if you're new here on site, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and also keep in touch with you. You can do that by texting the word NEW to our church number, 603-225-2550. So in Psalm 103, what we have said is that because of who God is, his character, who he is, we get treated better than we deserve. And in the first part of this psalm, you see that God is in the business of redemption and renewal, God is in the business of redemption and renewal. Redemption, turning things around, taking something that is worthless or broken and making it whole and useful again. Renewal, turning things, giving fresh starts, giving new life two things. It starts out with an exhortation. Let all that I am praise the Lord, and then may I never forget the good things he does for me. This is a psalm of exaltation, a psalm of blessing the Lord. And how does he do that? He says, "We, I want to praise the Lord with all that I am, And what I'm going to do is I'm going to remember. I'm not going to forget. I'm going to recall the good things he does for me. And then he gives us some bullet points, some things that we can thank the Lord for. It says, number one, he forgives all my sins. I have, by uh, sins of omission and commission things that I didn't do that I should have things that I have done that I should not have I have transgressed against the Lord but with the Lord forgiveness is available and remember uh, we've been learning a little bit about Hebrew poetry as well that in this line there are these two measures And they are often in parallel, sometimes in contrast. So I've got my highlighter out a little bit, putting it to extra use uh, these weeks in the Psalms. Notice the parallel, forgives and heals, sin and diseases. And I just want to touch on that because it is an issue that comes up every once in a while. In the scriptures, sometimes there is a connection made between sin and sickness and disease. And some people, spoiler alert, erroneously, make too direct of a connection between those two. And sometimes you may hear people say, if you just pray hard enough or have faith enough, then you won't have sickness and and disease in your life. Or they might connect the two and say, well, If something is wrong in your body, then that means that there's probably something wrong in your heart and God is trying to point that out to you and correct you. That's not the connection that when you take the whole counsel of Scripture with what the Bible teaches as a whole is true and that connection that sometimes people make, they take it too far. Here's how I understand the connection. We live in a broken world. Things are not as they should be inside and outside of us. And as a result of that brokenness, sin, death, disease, brokenness of all sorts was introduced into our world. And as a result, Uh, Remember, we uh, said also in paradigm that context is king. You have to understand the context. Uh, Very often, sickness, illness, disease would have an immediate connection to death in the minds of most people you know now we think oh i get a cold or something like that we don't necessarily expect to die or worry about dying from every single cold and scratch that we get but do you do you, do you understand that less than 100 years ago the son of a president got a blister playing tennis and died less than a week later because that blister got infected And it was not uncommon for people to die of blisters and scratches and things that we wouldn't give a second thought to. But for most of world history, every health issue was a crisis that could end in death. So in the context of this, when he says, he forgives all my sins, he heals all my diseases, diseases connected directly to death, sin connected directly to death, that the only salvation, the only rescue, the only redemption that was possible, if it happened, it was because the Lord intervened. He protected, he saved, he rescued. And so as the psalmist is recounting all the blessings that have been given to him, he thinks over, wow, I've blown it so many times, and he's forgiven me. I've gotten sick, and I actually got better. He's the the one who heals all my diseases. And then he makes the direct connection between sin and disease and death when he says in the next phrase, he redeems me from death. I deserve death because of what I did. I, des- I could have died because of what has happened to me. But part of God's goodness to me is that he has redeemed my life from death. He's pulled me back from the brink. And beyond that, he's not only rescued and saved me, it goes on to say, and crowns me with love and tender Mercies Now, crowns don't have to do with ruling or reigning. It's uh, kind of like in the New Testament when you see uh, 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 the imagery of saying being clothed with compassion or something like that. It's like, this is what makes up this person's life. It's how they've clothed themselves. It's how they've been crowned. And he says, he crowns me with love And tender mercies he does good to me so there's this parallel it's the ways that he's rescued me from sin and sickness and death and also not only that has he saved me but he's also filled me with good things he crowns my life with with love and tender mercies he fills my love it goes on to say with he fills my life with good things and then my youth is renewed like the eagles what is he saying he's saying that that uh instead of dying it's like i become younger again i become healthy i my youth is renewed god is good and he is reminding himself he said all the ways that he has uh that he has blessed us and he's doing it because that is who he is it's because of god who god is that we get treated better than we deserve and now he's listed in that first part some of the ways that we've been treated better than we deserve and now he's going to shift to the main part of the letter of the psalm which is all about the character of god the the why behind what we have experienced it's because of who God is, and he says that compassion and covenant love are at the root of God's character. Compassion and covenant love are at the root of God's character. He first off makes a transition statement. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. We've talked so many times before about how the gospel is God making things right through his son, that we all recognize that the world is not as it should be, or as good things are not as good as they could be. There's something broken in the world and God is committed to making things right. And this is just an affirmation that God will make things right. He will do right in the end. He gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. But why is he like that? Why do we experience that? Why do we experience the goodness of God? It's because of who he is. And that's what's foremost in the psalmist's mind. In verse 7, the next verse, it says, He, God, revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Again, a line with two measures in parallel to one another. What is he doing? He's revealing his character, he showed his character through his deeds to Moses and the people of Israel. He's flashing back to Moses and the people of Israel and their exodus from Egypt. And in the middle of that story, there is a place where God is revealing himself, who he is to his people because they're just getting to know him. And in the midst of that, he describes himself. He says, this is the essence of who I am. And what does he say? It's quoted in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. It's a quote, almost direct quote, paraphrase of Exodus chapter 34, verse six, where God is revealing himself. There's so much good stuff in here. I like the, uh, and the New Living Translation is trying to pull it out. It, it says, the Lord, the Lord, in your translation, most likely. Here, it's Yahweh, the Lord, because the Lord is in caps. That means that it's the personal name of God that he revealed to Moses, Yahweh, saying the, uh, to distinguish himself from the other gods that they might have heard of. And he says, this is who I am. The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy. Think of somebody that, you know, maybe your spouse, maybe you're a good friend, maybe your parents. And if you were just to ask to sum them up in one word, what word would you choose? It, it, it would vary, but, but you could. You could say, when I think of this person, this is what I think of. And what the Lord is saying is, if you knew me well, then when you thought of me, you would think of compassion and mercy, this is what I'm like. This is the essence of who I am, compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And that's what the psalmist is remembering and recalling and reminding himself. The, the reason that these good things are happening is because of who God is and who he is to me. Uh, there The word here, which you may, if you've been hanging around my son, Jonathan, for any period of time, you may have heard him talk about the word hesed. I think he might even mention it when they were visiting here. Hesed is that unfailing love. And in the commentary that I've been using as the primary source, primary commentary for this series, here's how, I like the way he describes it. It says, steadfast love is both character and act. Let's think about what he's saying there. It's who he is, and therefore, it's reflected in what he does. It's both character and act. And he sums it up, this author sums it up by saying, it's helpfulness towards those with, one, with whom one stands in relationship. Um, a couple of weeks ago in who, not what, we said that probably part of your purpose, if you're asking what am I here for, it might be the wrong question. The question might be, who am I here for? A couple of years ago, when I took a sabbatical, the key word that I brought out of that was the idea of leverage, that I was supposed to leverage my life for the, to the greatest extent for the benefit of God's kingdom. Helpfulness, hesed, steadfast love, helpfulness towards those with, one with whom one stands in relationship. What you're doing is saying, I'm here to leverage all I am for your benefit. That if God has given me resources, time, talents, abilities, that part of my purpose is to leverage that for the benefit of those around me. And what God is saying is that's who I am and what I do for you. I'm going to extend my chesed, my steadfast love, my faithful love to you. I'm going to be there for you helpfulness toward those with whom one stands in relationship to do hesed is to do the best in and make the best of a relationship and one of the ways that he does that is that he verse 10 does not punish us for all our sins according to our sins literally he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve we already brought up this verse but why goes on in the next verse to answer. Four. why, why does this happen? Why, why does he extend grace and mercy to us? For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens is above the earth. And I love this section. You'll see it in your growth guide that I split it up into three little bits because he's going to just exposit God's steadfast love and say, I'm gonna try to give you a picture of what it's like when God is your father. And notice there that it says, towards those who fear him. That's another phrase that I just wanna make sure that we understand. It's not that God wants us cowering in fear. A good translation of fear in the Bible is that of reverence. Again, the commentator for Psalms says this, Three times the psalm says that the steadfast love and compassion of God are for those who fear him. Well, what does it mean to fear him? The fear of the Lord is simply reverence practiced in trust and obedience. I like that. Reverence, practice, put into practice in trust and obedience. And there are other parallel terms that are used. He explains here. Those who fear the Lord is a designation used in the psalms along with the righteous, the faithful, the servants of the Lord. All those are just umbrella terms for those who seek to make the Lord the decisive, orienting center of their lives. When we encourage you to be wholehearted followers of Jesus, that's what we're doing. We're, uh, that's just another way of saying that, to make the Lord the decisive, orienting center of your lives. What identifies you? the family that you belong to, the place where you grew up, the political party that you're a part of, part of the country that you live in, the country that you... These are all part of your identity, but what is the core of who you are? What, what, What do you filter all those other things through? If you're a follower of Jesus, what you're doing is you're making the Lord the decisive, orienting center of your lives. The one thing that is above everything else. So in the first part, he uses geography. To, uh, first part of this section, he uses geography to describe how, uh, how good and faithful God has been to us. And he thinks about his world and he says uh, he's removed Uh, First off, he talks about heavens and earth. It's like, if you could throw a rock and hit the sky, then that's how far you would have to throw a rock to to reach the heights of God's love. Or let's do east and west. He's removed our sins as far as From us as the east is from the west. Then he moves from geography to relationships. He says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Remember Hebrew parallelism put in poetry? What's it like to be a father? Well, a father is tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You want instruction in what it means to be a father? Be tender and compassionate to those who are under your care. And if you want to know what God is like, that's what he's like. So he uses geography, the heights of heaven, the east and the west, and then he uses the relationship. It's like God is your father. And then he uses time to uh, talk about the goodness of God. For he, God, knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust, and he's going to compare the shortness of our life with the unbounded extent of God's goodness and faithfulness. He says, The wind blows and we are gone. Our life is like a mist, but the love of the Lord remains forever. There's no end to it. We are here and gone, but the love of the Lord remains forever. So he's expounded on who God is and talked about at the beginning all the good things that flow from that. Because of who God is, we get treated better than we deserve. And in the end, the closing segment of this psalm, he says the appropriate response to all of this is honor and praise. We talked about those who fear the Lord. If this is who God is and this is what he does, then the most reasonable, logical, beneficial thing that you could do would be to orient your life around your relationship with your heavenly father. And then just as perhaps when you were growing up, when somebody did something nice for you, your parents would say, what do you say? They would prompt you. What's the appropriate response would be to say thank you? When you encounter the goodness of God, what's the appropriate response? What do you say to all of that? It should flow in prayer and praise to your heavenly father. So, He's now talked about how that's the other theme of this is all encompassing, east to west, height of the heaven, all that I am. Excuse me. Um, And now he's saying, you know, we've been kind of bounded by earth. Now we're going to expand this to heavenly realms. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, he rules over everything And so he's saying, you know, God is who he is. He's done these great things for us, and I want to honor him. I want to overflow with praise, but it's not just enough. He rules over the heavens. And so the, the, everybody should get in this, uh, earthly beings and angelic beings. And so he says, praise you Praise the Lord, you angels. He goes on, praise the Lord everything he has created on heaven and on earth. And then he personalizes it. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And that's, that's, that's the way it comes to a conclusion. He personalizes it. And I'm gonna invite you to do the same when you look back over your life, the things that perhaps you're not too proud of, the things you feel guilty about, the things that still from time to time make, might make tears come to your eyes, remember the Lord has seen and the Lord has forgiven. And he wants to write a new, fresh, redeemed ending to your story so the question is, will you receive that? Will you accept it? It's a gift purchased by his son on the cross. And when we say yes to that, we get all of these benefits. So that's why I wanted to celebrate communion with you today because just like in this psalm, we're encouraged to remember all his benefits, to forget not all his benefits. When Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he was explaining its meaning, and he established something that we do 2,000 years later, and it's all around this theme of remembering. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, was celebrating a Passover meal, and in the midst of it, he, he reordered the worship service. He dramatically expanded the meaning of what they were celebrating to not just look back on the Exodus and God's faithfulness and goodness to him, to the people, but also to say that something even greater is happening in the cross. He says, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he established this habit, this routine that we celebrate all these years later. Same idea with the cup. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. What's he saying there? He's saying that... Because of who God is, he has been good to you in this way. He's provided that perfect sacrifice, that sufficient sacrifice, sufficient to cover your past entirely and to allow for God to write a redeemed future for you. And that's why we give the opportunity and encourage everybody, uh, just like the Psalmist personalized it at the end, It's not just enough to know this stuff. You have to personalize it. You have to receive it. You have to say yes to Jesus. You're saying yes to the forgiveness that he purchased on the cross for you. You're saying yes to that relationship of father and son or daughter, of lordship, that he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots. And that means if you're following Jesus, if he decides that you're up to the call or the mission that he has given you, then you are. And you have the responsibility to say yes to that as well. Because it's not based on your goodness, your abilities, your past, present, or future. It's based on who he is. So let's celebrate with the elements of communion and be reminded of the basis for our relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. First, take the bread. Said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I love to remind you that in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, when they offered a sacrifice, they would sprinkle the blood on the altar. And why did they do that? Because when you saw the blood, you knew that the sacrifice had been offered, that the debt had been paid, that the sin was forgiven. And when we see the cup that reminds us of the shed blood of Jesus, what we are Remembering is that the sacrifice has been offered. Your sin has been forgiven. Your debt has been paid. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So today we've talked about mercy. And what we've said is that those, because of who God is, We get treated better than we deserve. And so the encouragement, the challenge, the practical aspect of this is how can you build routines into your life around accepting and celebrating God's goodness? Obviously, showing up on Sunday morning, showing up for the gathering—that's what church means. It's not a building. It's not a nonprofit. It's not an organization. It's a body of people gathered together. Is a routine that reminds you of God's goodness and faithfulness. Jesus established uh, baptism and to as an as a routine that reminds people and demonstrates to people what it means to come into the body of Christ, but then celebrating communion as a routine to remind us of who he is and what he has done for us. That's part of it, reading God's word. But figure out some way of reminding yourself. If you'd like a practical step that you can do this week, as you're starting out your day, just think of three things. List them, put them in your journal, write them down. Three things that you can be thankful for and give thanks to God. Just a routine that you can do for one week to remind you of his goodness, of who he is and what he has done for you because he is a good God and he does good things to and for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your goodness and kindness, and I pray that you would speak to each heart, that you would convince us, not just at a head level, but at a heart level, of your goodness and kindness towards not just the world, not just towards people, but to us individually, so that we might receive the forgiveness and goodness that you offer to us and allow you the greatest freedom to leverage our lives in service and for the benefit of others. Lord, help us to hear exactly what you need to speak to each one of us and then give us the courage and faith to accept it and act on it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we're not over yet because we have the talk it over questions. You're already in your tables because that's your talk it over group. Spend a couple of minutes just walking through these questions. If you want to, if you're in a smaller table and want to connect up with another, that would be great. Uh, And then after you're done, you can uh, release yourselves. Thank you and have a great week.